It's past 5 o'clock. It's the game after work. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G., Sage Williams. If you missed any of the first hour, we're putting up the podcast right now. We can post again on the website. We had some website issues for a while. We weren't able to post stuff, but now we're good to go once again. And that's going to be at NewsRadioKman.com or get on SoundCloud. Search for the game KMAN or search that as well for wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to follow us on social media as well at the game KMAN on Twitter. I'm at Mitch the Fort. Troy's at, at Troy Coverdale. DG, where are you at again? At DG K Rock. And Sage is uh, worrying about a final, so don't distract her. At worrying about a final, hope I get, I hope I don't flunk. Hope my parents aren't mad at me. Dot com. Here in hour number two. Now coming up, <laughs> not in the affirmative from the other room. Boy, that was pretty emphatic. Now coming up here in just a few moments, we're going to be doing uh, a draft of sorts because sports gambling is now legal in Kansas, right? So we're going to gamble. We're going to gamble amongst ourselves in a sport that we are not familiar with whatsoever, but it's relevant because this weekend it is taking place in the state of Kansas. But right now, it's time to get to our big interview of the day because coming up this weekend, the Batcats are back at home and they're wrapping up the home schedule against the Baylor Bears, a pivotal matchup because Cats are trying to remain in a good spot to make it to Arlington for the Big 12 tournament. Winning a series against Baylor would certainly do that, but they also just got done beating the Kansas Jayhawks two out of three last weekend. Coach, I appreciate your time as we now talk with K-State baseball coach Pete Hughes. Just how fun was it? How great was it to beat the Kansas Jayhawks at home in a three-game series? Yeah, it was something that, you know, it's a goal of ours, an important one um, every year, is is to win that series and beat KU and 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 be the best team in Kansas. Happy for our guys. We can be a program. We can set goals and achieve them and feel good about it. And that's what we did this weekend. And I was, I was proud of our guys. We, we lost a heartbreaker on Friday. And, you know, you're supposed to win games when you have the lead late, especially at home. And we did not do that. Resilient enough to bounce back and get a good win on Sunday from behind. And then, some, you know, and then, I'm sorry, on Saturday and then on Sunday, you know, again, we were, we were behind. And, you know, like you said, we got a little luck. But I'll tell you, we, you know, we almost hit a home run there early on in the game that was six inches foul. And then we hit a double the next hitter that was six inches foul. And then Whammer almost hits one out another foot. So, you know, luck plays both ways. You know, good good teams that put the ball in play have productive at bat kind of put themselves in those situations where luck can go your way. But, uh, you know, we hadn't caught a break like that all year. So I, I was... I was more than ecstatic to, over the weekend. It was the crowd that drove everything for me, man. It's just to see the excitement around our park. and There's no better community in college baseball to play in front of. They're loyal, supportive. Nothing negative ever comes out of their mouth. Uh, kids want to play great. They want to play with energy because of the people that show up time and time again to support this program. I do honestly believe, and I'm, I'm not even being the corny coach here, it's uh it's one of the best college communities, if not the best in the country. And you know, we're all privileged to put their uniform on and, and play home games in front of this crowd and represent Kansas State baseball in, in, in Manhattan. I'll tell you, it's a, it's a privilege. And they came out and, and you know, some, sometimes when you say luck goes our way, sometimes it factors in playing in front of a, a crowd that, that's electric, that, that makes your opponent do things that they, they're not accustomed to doing. And, you know, we definitely have a home field advantage at that. It definitely factors into the performance of our players and, and the performance of our, our opponents. So it was a great weekend, capped off by Mother's Day. And, you know, we had 17 mothers throwing out that first pitch. It was special for them to, to be a part of that with their sons and be a part of our program. So it couldn't have been a better weekend. I'm really glad you brought up the crowd because I was thinking about that on Sunday. When it's not 
crummy weather, you're typically selling the place out. I mean, Twinton Family Stadium, when the weather's nice, Big 12 team is in town, the place is full. But I don't know if it's like, if it's, you know, your team hitting home runs plus the Ric Flair button, but I feel like the atmosphere has been on another level. I've been PA announcer for K State Baseball now for seven years, and this has been the best crowd environment I've seen at Twinton Family Stadium throughout my time here. So, yeah, another tip of the cap to the K State crowd for being so awesome. Yeah, and, you know, the other group that needs to be recognized is our fan experience people. And, you know, our in-game stuff, you referenced the Rick Flair button. That's just, just to tell you how good we are at fan experience, there's no other team in the league where the flow of the game and the energy of the park, and it's tough to do in baseball, I get it, is at a high level from inning one to inning nine. And we've, we've played everywhere. There's no place in the Big 12 like this. And it's because of our crowd, and it's because of the fan experience. You know, it's like you're at a rock concert. Um, and there's a skill to that where you can keep the noise going in between pitches. And uh, baseball, you can get sucked into the monotony and the boredom of it, but they don't allow that to happen. And you know, I've had other coaches from other programs call me about our fan experience. People will contact people so they can steal some ideas and pick their brains. But um, yeah, it, it, it was uh, it was an amazing amazing weekend. And you know, our fan experience people, there's no one better in the game. But I, I was watching my son play down in Topeka on. Tuesday and Junction City was playing on the field next to uh, my son's game. And in the middle of the game, I heard from the Junction City dugout the Ric Flair noises going back and forth. They, they, <laughs> you know, they've been at the point because that's what they were doing with their in game in big situations. So that was that was pretty cool to hear. And just another example of you know the Toynton experience and, and what's been happening in this community and our program. And it's exciting. So we, we do love to play home and, and we, we do play well there for a reason. You mentioned uh, home runs earlier, and your team hit nine in the Big Twelve or in the uh, KU series. Six different players went up there and and hit one out. Now your team has hit seventy four. That's that's third best all time. That's second best in the Big Twelve right now. And two more, you'll be second best all time. And now you're competing with the team last year. Is this year's team slightly better when it comes to top to bottom? Run your finger down the lineup of guys that at any time can hit the long ball. I think so. I think I think uh, you know, like you said, one one through nine can can lead the park. I'm not, I'm not so sure we we had that last year. You know, Kakoska we missed. You know, I think he had fifteen last year. It's a big number, but um, yeah, it, it's dangerous. You know, we we had our our nine hole hitter, a freshman, hit a ball four hundred seventy two feet on Sunday, and then yeah. so he's he's hitting ninth in the order. Um, so that that speaks to the depth of our program and, and the power potential one through nine in our lineup. Uh, so I think Austin Waits does a great job as our hitting coach. And, you know, our guys, you have to be talented, sure, number one. But number two, you have to be strong and fit. And you know, B.J. Foley, our strength coach, does a, a phenomenal job with the culture of our weight room and our, our strength and conditioning program and, and translating on the field. One of your right-handed pitchers out of the bullpen, Hedelman Frajardo, was named the Big 12 Newcomer of the Week along with Pitcher of the Week. And that's with his combined start against Wichita State, going six innings, striking out ten, just allowing one hit, and then comes in in relief and gets a save against Kansas, going two and two thirds, and doesn't allow a hit. But I remember like his his first time out there against Michigan, it didn't go quite so well. So he's had to grow. But how have you seen Hanuman Fajardo grow in his first year at K State? You know, I've said this before. There's a learning curve in Power Five baseball um, when you become an everyday guy whether it's out of the bullpen or in the rotation or in the lineup, there's a learning curve. It's, it's, it's bigger for some kids than, than others. 
Um, and it just took a little time for Herman to get to get settled in. I mean, it's you know he he didn't pitch well early on. He's getting accustomed to you know playing at this level, handling adrenaline, being able to execute, being able to slow the game down, being able to uh, make in-game adjustments. And, you know he struggled early. I can Michigan, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Cal State Fullerton, yes. Uh, Loyola Malamo, right? That's those are back-to-back-to-back outings, you know. So, um, but he's been outstanding, and you know, good for him for staying with it mentally and putting himself in the, the right place mentally, where he can continue to go out and make adjustments and then have his successes, and then, you know, being a productive pitcher has become the norm for him because he's, you know, he's, he's grinded through it, and it's it's tough to pitch at this level and and be an everyday guy, um, and and Herman is kind of. Had a tough little learning curve at the beginning, but stuck with it, and good for him and good for our program. Speaking with K-State baseball coach Pete Hughes here on the game. All right, so this weekend you're going to finish up the home schedule. Baylor Bears are going to be in town for a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday three-game series. They are eighth place in the Big 12, and you actually passed them with a couple of wins over Kansas. So now you're in seventh place. Baylor's in eighth place are 23-22. and 22. Clearly an important series when it comes to the Big 12 standings, but also your thoughts on the Baylor Bears this year. Uh, Baylor's has done a great job the last five years under Steve Rodriguez. You know, they've, they've gotten snake bitten a little bit on the mound here this year. They had major loss in their rotation with the Thomas kid going down uh, for the year. Uh, when you lose one guy like that, of that caliber, it, there's a trickle down effect. And um, uh, they're trying to figure that out. And then, and the other thing with Baylor is uh, you know, they, they, they played really, really good at the beginning of the year. Uh, they're coming off a ten-day hiatus of not playing because of finals, and, and that's a long time to be to be resting in college baseball as far as timing and everything else, and um, kind of shaking off the cobwebs of finals and getting your kids back into Big Twelve baseball mode is a tough thing to do. So, um, Steve Rodriguez is one of the better coaches in the country, and he'll get his team going here. Especially, it is a big series for for both programs, so specifically for us. I just kind of focus on us and. Every weekend I do, and I worry about us playing a high level of baseball, and if we can just do that and not worry about our opponent, we'll be in a good place and you know, keep winning the series. And especially down the stretch here, we have to get hot if we want to get into national tournament conversations, and, and we have to get hot going into the Big 12 tournament. So, um, yeah, it's a big weekend for us in, at, at many different levels. And, um, you know, Baylor's a team that, that, that plays well against us, and um, – you know, they got a really good lineup. They got a couple kids that are really dangerous in that lineup. They get hot for a week and, 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 and cause you some problems. So we're going to try to try to minimize that. All right, Coach, your last question is about National Odometer Day. Do you have a story about a time where you had a car that you really pushed the mileage, and how far did you crank up the mileage on the odometer? When I um, was the head coach at Boston College, made $34,000 a year, and we were well on our way to having five children at that time, and the car I drove was a hand-me-down from my mother-in-law, and it was a Volvo where you couldn't open the driver's side door from the outside. You had to open the back door and and reach up through and and click it open. I had well over 220,000 miles on that odometer, but I would go on home visits and recruiting, and I would park three houses down because I didn't want them looking out the window when I left the house to opening up the front door through the back door. So those that's my stories uh, as a young coach and a young dad trying to figure things out. We always did, but a car was 
definitely not on the top of our expense list uh, in those days. Uh, and, they, and they're still not. My, my expedition that I drive around town, it's got over 200,000 miles on it. So I, I think I'm going to break the Volvo record. I plan on it. I just don't love the investment of an automobile, especially when my commute is two and a half miles. So there you go. I got a question for you, Mitch. Tell me um, your exploits with the Howard Stern show are, um, are, are well-documented. I was curious, and I'm sure your listening population was curious to see who your favorite whack packer was. And on a scale of 1 to 10, how did Howard Stern treat the interns that came through that office, specifically you, 10 being the best, 1 being the worst? Well, I'll answer the Howard question first. Uh, the, I would rate it an 8, and that is because when he was around us, he was awesome, but he wasn't around us too much. I would go out of my way to meet him in the hallway because I knew exactly what time he left, which was 1130. And I would just be casually waiting out in the hallway, maybe trying to talk to somebody. Oh, hey, Howard, how you doing? Good to see you. And he, and he said, hey, how's it going? Every time. It was weird. The other interns noticed that. I was the only one to do it. And they thought it was weird. But hey, I'm there for a reason. And that's to interact with the boss and get as much Howard time as I possibly can. Now, for the whack packer, that's easy too. Debbie the pet lady. Absolutely. I mean, she is the definition of, of a whack packer. And she came in one time and was just raising hell, making a ton of noise. Didn't come with any animals, but it was just two hours of yelling, screaming, and driving everybody nuts. So she was by far the most memorable, and she was really the only one I ever met. All right. Well, I'm a big, big fan of Jeff the Drunk. He gets me uh, belly laughing every time I listen to him. And then and Tan Mom is a Hall of Famer. Absolute Hall of Famer. So, Tan Mom was a little after me, but like when I was there, kind of the heyday of all the Whack Packers had kind of passed, um, where they were really involved with the show. Eric, the actor, was, I, I talked to him on the phone a few times, um, but, um, and he was, you know, he was okay. Beetlejuice. Never saw Beetlejuice. He never came in during that time, but I definitely know Beetlejuice for sure. He would be up in probably my top three. Hall of Famer, dude. Hall of Fame. And then, of course, if you count uh, Marianne from Brooklyn. I, I did meet her. She's, like, known, more known as a super fan, but she did come in a few times, and she was the sweetest person ever. Well, I appreciate the share, man. we gotta we got to go figure out how to beat Baylor, and then I'm going to go root on the uh, Manhattan Indians. I get to see my son play for the second time all season, which is always a privilege. So I'm excited to see the Manhattan Indians, Indians play against the uh, Junction City. It's a big rivalry, man. Yeah. Rivalry oh, yeah. Today. Come on out to the point. Keep, keep supporting these guys. We've got great weather all weekend, and um, there's no better place to play in the country for me. All right, Coach. Hey, appreciate your time once again. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Mitch. There you have it. K-State baseball coach Pete Hughes. It's been a while since he's asked me questions about the Howard Stern show. He's a big Howard Stern guy, <laughs> Boston kid, right? So he probably listened to a lot of Howard Stern back in the day, especially as a coach at Boston College there for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And, I don't know when he when he was syndicating the show when it wasn't Sirius XM. Did he get it uh, when he was in other locations? I don't know, but man, when he found out that I interned for Howard Stern back in uh, well ten years ago, this time ten years ago, wow, was when that took place. As a matter of fact, in eighteen days would be ten years to the day that I left the Howard Stern show. Wow. I'll save the other stories for a later time. I got a long career. <laughs> Can't use them all now. Long way to go. I don't want to spend the good stuff yet. But here's the deal. Sports gambling is now legal, right? Laura Kelly signed the gimmick. Yeah, well, We, we okay. can, we can uh, start flying some cash around and start betting on the ponies, and we're going to do some betting, kind of. We're going to do some gambling amongst ourselves coming up next in a sport 
we don't know much about. And that's coming up next on The Game. Oh, 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 oh. The been round and takes us down. Turn up. I'll tell you what. Th- now, that's a great tune. But have you ever in your life heard ZZ Top? Um, it's like Nasty Dogs. Um, I'll, I'll pull it up here in just a second. It is a truly incredible song. I remember... Uh, seen a cover band in uh, Kansas City one time, <laughs> and they were uh, pretty lit yeah, by the time they got on stage, but they, <laughs> the lead singer was, he was drunk, <laughs> but he got up on stage to like do a sound check, and he just kept going, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> and they're like, the, the sound guy's like, that isn't helping me at all. Oh my god! It was so funny. That's all. Awesome. Nasty Dogs and Funky Kings by ZZ Top. Look that up. It is a, a banger. So good. Back to the game. Mitch Fortner, Trey Coverdale, David G, Sage Williams. We're all here. Big Steve. He's gone. Yeah, yeah uh, he is. Sports gambling legal now. Get your uh, get your savings accounts. <laughs> savings accounts. Take half of it out. Go put it on uh, who the Royals playing tonight. Texas. Put it on the Rangers. Yeah. Take the Rangers tonight. Jackie Moon. Now, this Sunday, maybe (laughs) save that money for a little bit on Sunday because NASCAR will be at Kansas Speedway. And uh, it is the, what is it called here? I got the gimmick here, right? Uh, The Advent Health 400, the 400 at Kansas Speedway next to Hollywood Casino. And so I thought, you know what? Let's put a little bit of money on this. Yeah. So what we've decided to do, since it's us three, the two that lose owe the other one a gallon of gas. Ugh. A gallon of gas, and that's not cheap these days. You're We're north of four bucks <laughs> in some places in town. Given that the original discussion was a potential tank of gas, they would have gotten off easy had I won, given As my I said, car. Troy was like, who do you think I am, a Rockefeller? <laughs> I, I mean, and if we owe Troy, that's not, we're good. Right. That was the point. It's like yeah. 15 bucks, right? <laughs> yeah. To fill that thing up. 25 today. Meanwhile, oh DG, what do you, you got a, you got a truck, right? I have a F 150, Ford F 2004. And I got a, a Jetta. Jettas are all right, you know. I, well, if For I do gas. win, I'm yep. going to start. How much it holds? I'm going to start uh, driving my 86 Buick LeSabre. You have one of those? I did. You did, okay. I had one, and I wrecked the hell out of it, so that's story time with DG. <laughs> Slid on some ice and ran into a wall. So what we've decided to do, we're going to do a little uh, race car driver draft for the Advent Health 400. Basically, the way that works is, so we draft a bunch of drivers, and then our drivers will add up what place they finished in, and when you add all the numbers up, whoever has the lowest number wins. Know how that works? Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. That's it. You know, like in high school golf, the team. When you add up the scores and whoever has a team with the lowest number wins the whole thing, that wins was, the whole yeah. kit and caboodle. But how do we know who's in the race? 
I mean, you could go on any website, and be like, "Hey, what are the odds for this thing?" Well, they've already said who's going to be in the race. Yeah, yeah. it's the oh, the people are in every in every race. Well, sometimes some guys like, "Yeah, my brother's getting married, and he's not going to be there." Dale Earnhardt Jr. will not be in this race. He's retired. I, that was my Jeff first pick. Gordon is like <laughs> calling the calling the, the 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 race. What about Tony Stewart? Smoke. Tony Stewart. Uh, I don't he, know. He's on he dirt track somewhere. Yeah, he killed the guy. So I probably shouldn't say him. Um, what about uh, Richard Petty? Was he still out there? As a car owner. <laughs> oh, no. All right, Troy, you get the first Good pick. Boy. Who are you taking with your first round pick? I'm going to go with Chase Elliott. Last one in Kansas City uh, in 2018, but is out to the uh, points lead in the cup standings this year and may very well be due for another win in KC. With my first pick... I'm going Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin has won the last two races at Kansas Speedway. So even if he doesn't win, he has a pretty good shot at finishing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in a good spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm next. DG. I'm going with Kyle Busch because I enjoy an occasional Bush Light beer. And uh, Kyle Busch seems like the kind of guy who would win a Kansas Speedway Advent Hell 400. Uh, go get him, Kyle Bush. Kyle, okay. I I I crossed out Kurt Bush on accident. Yeah, but you want Kyle. I now want Kyle you Bush. get another pick. We're going snake style. I don't know how many rounds we're going. We're just winging okay. it here. So, um, next up, Live radio at its best. I'm taking Chase Elliott because he's like a Troy top. already just took oh, him first round, first no, overall. He, he took you took Chase. Okay, I want Kyle Larson um, because they said. Kyle Larson um, is really good. <laughs> you know what? According to the odds that I printed off the internet earlier today, Kyle Larson does have the best odds of winning this thing. Oh, hell yeah. So a value pick there for uh, for nice. DG. Uh, next, I'm going to take Martin Truex Jr. Oh, okay. Because I recognize the name. And... <laughs> Shout out to Lyle, who used to come on the show. We used to talk uh, every Thursday. We actually used to talk a lot of NASCAR. And uh, back in those days, I was a big Martin Trex Jr. guy. Lyle Lovett used to come on the show? Uh, Lyle Shepard. Oh. Lyle Lovett couldn't get a phone through his uh, hair. (laughs) (laughs) Troy, what's your next pick? You got two in a row here. I'm going to go with Joey Logano. And for good measure, I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick. Those are good picks, I think. Kevin Harvick? Yes. Had to make sure I was a Wick instead of Vic. Yeah, you can tell who follows the sport, right? God, who the hell I are these to. guys? I used to. I used to. Let's see here. Joe Logano is off the board. Hmm. Let's see. We're in round three. I got I, I'm up. Hamlin and Martin Truex. No, I'm up. You're next after me. Snake style. Ding oh, dong. God. Oh, boy. Uh, you know what? He has really good odds. I'm going to go William Byron. Mm, William Byron. Now DG has two in a row. I'm going to go with a good buddy of mine, uh, somebody that uh, I actually grew up with here in Manhattan. Um, it's awesome to see him <laughs> up there on those standings. Uh, Russ Chastain. Uh, Ross, Ross. Ross Chastain. <laughs> 
Uh, he, uh, I remember my mom used to babysit uh-huh, for uh-huh, him, uh-huh. and uh, he was one heck of a uh, guy. Um, I have a hard time now. See this here? Is this my last pick, or am I? Gonna I don't know. Up? We're just kind of okay. doing this. Um, you know what I'm going to do? Because this is the only other guy I, re- I recognize his name, Brad Keselowski. I'm going to take Brad. Kislowski. Production values at their finest. Lady. <laughs> now, I don't know if Brad has had a good run at Kansas Speedway. His odds are way down there. Yeah, I know. Not looking good, gang. All right. Who do we got here? It's my pick. Um, let's go Ryan Blaney. I, I couldn't pick someone named Ryan Blaney. I just, that sounds horrible. Like, it's kind of like Blarney, and then it's like the Blarney Stone, and then his name's Ryan, and it just sounds like a slow guy, you know? Troy, go again. Uh, let's go with Alex Bowman. The old, uh, the old adage. Right? And uh, if we are continuing on, sure. All right, Chase Briscoe. Who? Now you're not allowed to pick him until you tell uh, until you tell us what number he drives with. Uh, nice way to put me in a hole there. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Hey, is this the whole lineup? Let's, this is our last round, by the way. So, all right, so Troy has five guys. It looks like one, two, three, four, five. Yes. So this will be this can well to make this fair. We, we have to go another round to make it fair. One more round, bring it back. Yeah. Up. Okay, I see now. All right, so that means I got to go now. And uh, man, Shane Briscoe off the thing here. That was he was on the big board. Is that the list that you got there? That's the points list. Man, this is a bunch of... I'm going to go Austin <laughs> Dillon. Okay. He sounds like a winner. Yeah, he does. Or a country singer. Um, All right, DG, you got two more. These are the last two. Boy, I don't even know any of these sons of guns. Um, Hey, man. Um, Wait a minute. Look at that. 2019, Brad Keselowski won. So, uh... <laughs> Um, did anybody pick Harvick yet? Yes. Oh, God. Okay, listen, here's the deal, gang. With my, doesn't know a single one of I, these people. I don't people. know any yeah. of these people. Um, but you know who sounds like a real winner and a real uh, Advent Health guy? Daniel Suarez. He's a uh, up-and-coming new guy. He's uh, been uh, on the, the circuit only he for a year. He's taking a break of, from making tequila to get back <laughs> in the race car. Oh, One more. Okay. Um, this Suarez tequila, right? That's a thing? Yeah. Yes, it yeah, is. It's, yeah, but it's cheap, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got another one. This guy is, uh, what, what can I say about this guy other than he is a real winner and he doesn't take no for an answer when it comes to racing. But anytime other, you, if he's like, can you help me move? And you go, no. He's like, oh, okay, that's fine. Christopher Bell. Oh, man. Oh, my that God. Guy. That guy's really good. All right. My last pick. Now, he could have gone the basketball route like his brother, but he decided to get into a race car. I'm going to go with Tyler Reddick. <laughs> hey, well, he's pretty high up there. I forgot about that guy. All right, one more for Troy. Eric Amarola. Oh. Now, are you sure that's how you say his name? Yes. Eric. Eric. All right. Troy has Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, Alex Bowman, Chase Briscoe, Eric Amarola. Amarola. Cool. Mm-hmm. I have Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., William Byron, Ryan Blaney, Austin Dillon, and Tyler Reddick. <laughs> I feel pretty good about that team. William Byron. And Please. then DG has 
Kyle Bush, uh-huh. Kyle Larson. Nobody uh-huh. took Kurt Bush, by the way. Oh, boy. Uh, Ross Chastain, Brad Keselowski, Daniel Suarez, Christopher Bell. That's going to do it. We'll decide on Monday. We'll figure it out. Who won the deal? And uh, somebody is going to owe somebody four bucks each. Some cash, baby. Or All gas, right. baby. Let's take a timeout. And when we come back, the number one song of the day. Ooh. Isn't this awesome? Yes. Do you know who this is? Oh. Little Troy? Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder, when he was 12 years old, he went number one. Whoa. Fingertips. Fingertips part two, technically, from 1963. Unbelievable. I did not know that. That's and awesome. And guess what? Stevie Wonder tomorrow turns 72. Hey. Unreal. And we have the theory that Stevie Wonder's not really blind. Have you ever heard of that? Ever seen the uh, video evidence? I've seen the video that people reference. The mic drop or the the, the stand drop? It catches this. Yeah. Stevie, are you blind? Call us up. It's like the Ray Charles joke in the Blues Brothers where he fires the gun. <laughs> yeah. Are we getting towards the end stage of the song? It's like a minute and a half left. Yeah. So let turn it up here because it gets interesting. I'm just gonna let let it play. And then some guy comes in. Wait for it. How about this shit, brother? And he keeps going. Okay, so everything you just heard that went on there, there's a whole backstory to it. It's very interesting, but we'll get to it here in just a second. So, Stevie Wonder, pioneer for soul, R&B, pop, uh, did I say gospel yet? Funk, jazz, I mean, the man, right? And he's done it all blind because he he went blind just after birth, right after birth. And uh, a child prodigy, like I just mentioned here, he started in Motown at the age of 11. And he was given the professional name, Little Stevie Wonder, and uh, one of the best-selling artists of all time. He has won 25 Grammy Awards, which is the most by a solo artist. And he was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1989. 2014, given a Presidential Medal of Freedom. 23 studio albums, 45 top 40 hits. He had 14 top 40 hits before he turned 18. Wow. 
and uh, first of eight number ones. I don't know. Do a lot of people know out there that he had quite the run as a musician as a child? Did not know that. Everybody I knows Sir, know Sir Duke. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Superstitious. Um, now, this album, not a studio album. This is his first recorded live album re- called Recorded Live, The 12-Year-Old Genius. All right. The story behind this song. Stevie Wonder, 12 years old. Was part of this Motown package tour called the Motown Review. And was thrilling crowds all over the place. High energy performances. He's got a great voice. You got something? Uh, review. It's called... Uh, is it Review? It it's, is Review. R-E-V-U. It's just Review. Review. Okay. Sorry. It's all good. Sage is over there laughing. <laughs> I thought it's not Review. I thought that sounded better. Review. I love that. Review. It's, review. it's spelled R-E-V-U-E. French people. I like review. That's what it's like the accent. Revu. We're gonna keep it. We're keeping it. Alright, uh, where else was I? Um, so on the night this night he played there in Chicago, and this was an improvised version of his song Fingertips, which lasted about ten minutes, but the crowd is going nuts. Stage manager is concerned about the show running late. They're trying to get him off stage while he's performing this song. Because there's somebody else coming off. And then he starts getting into Mary Had a Little Lamb, which you heard that in the first uh, round, and he starts playing a harmonica. And you can hear he's entering. There's Mary Had a Little Lamb. He's ending in about 2.05, right into the song. The band is starting to clear the stage. And then he starts jamming again. The Marvelettes are coming on stage next, and they were a known group through Motown. Right. So the band is rushing on while you hear all this commotion, and the guy that's emceeing the show is trying to get him off stage. So at one point, you can hear, turn it back up. See if you can hear it. Right there. You heard a member of the band asking what key. That was a band member from the Marvelettes asking, because they're already on stage, they're rushing on. And so they just joined in with them to finish that song. That's awesome. That's awesome. Here's another cool thing about this. You can hear some drums in there. That's Marvin Gaye. Wow. I love Song of the Day because it's oh, it's always like, guess who's playing drums? Marvin Gaye. Of all people, man. He was a session performer at the time. Unbelievable. That's amazing. And he toured with the group. That's awesome. God, that's awesome. Fingertips Part 2 was the first live recording to hit number one in the United States. And as you can imagine, Stevie Wonder became the youngest artist to ever top the chart at the age of 12. That's crazy. Isn't that whole thing pretty wild? It is. And it just proof that some people are just born with it, man. Like, really. Like, that, unbelievable. Now, like I said, his song is, typic- is technically called Fingertips, but this was improvised. And what his um, record company decided to do is just like clip off the last three minutes of it and put it on the live album and, and put it out as a single and they called it Fingertips Part 2. So an improvised song that was live ends up making history for a 12-year-old kid. It's crazy. And by the way, a great voice. Mm-hmm. He had it. He was born with a gift. He was, man. Didn't have sight, but man, could the kids sing. Wow. So good for him. All right. That's crazy, man. That might be the best song of the day we've had. It's one. I think it's one of the top ones out yeah, there, yeah. for sure. All right. Guys, we got a new employee here at Manhattan Broadcasting, so uh, let's get her involved with a little Ask Us Anything when we come back. Ooh. 
Before we get to DG, I want to introduce the new addition to the sports staff here at Manhattan Broadcasting News Radio KMAN, Jasmine Halliburton, who is in grad school here at K-State from the state of Texas. Hello. Hello, everybody. I'm so glad to be in this part of the station. I'm very new to the whole ordeal around here, and I'm very excited to start. Ordeal. Little does she know. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I told her, I was like, you can have an opportunity to do a little bit of everything around here, so be careful. Uh, today's Ask Us Anything. Jasmine, is there anything you'd like to take back that you just said? Any word? Maybe ordeal? No, I'm just, Okay, so we have, uh, for today's Ask a K-Rocker mini thing, or uh, Ask a K-Rocker was, um, what smells good to you but shouldn't smell good to oh. you? Gasoline. <laughs> yes. Gasoline. So... Tequila. <laughs> you think that smells good? Uh, we'll go there. I don't. <laughs> Jasmine. Oh gosh. He slushes the tequila around the shot glass right. before and sniffs it. Look at the legs. Before he, uh, mm-hmm. he before he sh- takes a shot. You see, I didn't want to get weird here because my first thought was gasoline, uh, but I have to go with Play-Doh. Play-Doh. Ah, that's a good one. Very that's good a one. really good answer. Oh. That's a I was a kid answer. that didn't have much Play-Doh growing up. Hmm. Sage? Sage? So I have this thing where I love the smell of old cardboard boxes. Not new ones like you get from Walmart now. Ooh. Like the brown boxes. I love the smell of brown cardboard. Wow. That is weird and I like Thank that. You. That is great. <laughs> I will also throw out their uh, puppy breath. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Puppy that's, breath. That's interesting. I love puppy um, breath, but I hate puppy teeth. They're so sharp. Yes, they are. Oh, God, I just hate puppies. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, what what uh, place, we're talking cities, country, national park, monument is overrated? So we actually, I brought this up the other day because oh. I saw it as Ask a K-Rocker. I was like, that's such a really good question. That's I said one. Times Square. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the popular one was, uh, but we'll let. Uh, Jasmine answer this that a popular one was um, Mount Rushmore yes. and I can honestly Thanks. see that being super overrated Thanks. oh goodness this kind of sucks G- give us I tell you what give us an overrated site in Texas uh-huh. overrated site in Texas Whataburger I mean uh, <laughs> you, you almost got punched <laughs> no no I, honestly I agree oh wow <laughs> I, I mean you're fired I don't want to say nothing but uh, an overrated site in Texas. Goodness gracious. I'd have to say Austin. Oh. Would, I'm actually semi-surprised she just didn't specifically go Alamo. Uh, I mean. Alamo's all right. Al- I mean, it's just- cool. It's like you can spend there 30 minutes. All right, you're out. But then the whole rest of Austin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's a little bit, yeah. you know. Uh, Arches. Arches National Park, I think, is a bit on the overrated side. I think underrated is Garden of the Gods. Mm. I haven't been to too many national parks. I've been to the Grand Canyon, and that's just, to me, absolutely breathtaking. Sage? No, yeah. Anything to add? I mean, no. I've been to the Grand Canyon as well. I think it's beautiful. I don't really have anything other than what I said, which was just the Statue of Liberty. You see it once. You've seen it a thousand times. Absolutely. Mount Rushmore is way too little. I expected it to be massive, and it's like tiny, and then it's like, oh, my God. Um, My question for you guys. Would you rather be the? Would you rather have a bit part in an Oscar-winning movie, or be the star of a box office flop? Star of a box office flop. 
Case in point, the Shawshank Redemption flopped. Ballad. Bombed in the theater. And now it's like the most popular movie of all time. Okay, but what if it's instead like Kevin Costner in Waterworld? Uh, my dad loves Waterworld. <laughs> that is sinful to love Waterworld. I'm sorry, but I can't. They're like throw in, like there's a lot of cult classics, a lot of dumb uh. comedies. Anything with Pauly Shore. Yes. Probably didn't do so well in the box office. No. Mm-hmm. But have in turned into Army cult now. classics. Son-in-law is a fantastic movie. Got smoked in the box office. I I just specifically okay, Dustin Hoffman, Ishtar. Never seen it. Yeah, One of the worst all-time bombs out there, and it's not a cult classic. Nobody watches it. Well, I mean, that happens. And that might, it could be your that could be it's a roll of the dice. You never. But know. people know who Dustin Hoffman is, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, maybe not from that movie, but he had a name. True, and it mm-hmm. still does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, we got like twenty-five seconds. Well, Jasmine didn't answer. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I gotta say, I would like to be the star of a movie that flops because Halle Berry and Catwoman. That was an awful movie, but it's Halle Berry. <laughs> <laughs> she got it. That's true. All right, guys. Best of tomorrow. Best of luck to the Cats this weekend against Baylor. Yeah. For Sage, DG, Troy, Jasmine, I'm Mitch. We're out. Go Cats.